एवरी वन सो हेयर इज द लास्ट गर्ल बाई नादिया मुराद पार्ट वन चैप्टर फाइव आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्ट हेड चैप्टर फाइव वैन थिंग्स वर रियली बेड इन इराक हिजीदीज इन कोचो यूजली फेल द इम्पैक्ट ऑफ द वायलेंस लाइक द आफ्टर शोक्स ऑफ एन अर्थ क्वेक वी वर रिमूव फ्रॉम द वर्स्ट ऑफ इट द बैटर्स बिटवीन अनसर्जेंट्स एंड अमेरिकन मरीज इन अनबर प्रोविनेंस द राइज ऑफ शिटी अथोराटोनिज्म Baghdad and the strengthening of Al Qaeda we watched on TV and worried about the men in our village who were working for the police and the army but Kocho was spared the suicide bombings and roadside IEDs that seemed to happen every day in the rest of the country Iraq today is so fractured that it may be impossible to repair we watched it break from afar Kheri Hasni and Jalo would return home after long post with stories of the sorry with stories of the battles outside sometimes they went to Kurdistan where terrorist attacks were almost unheard of other times they were sent outside Peshmerga protected areas into the unknown areas of Iraq which scared those of us they left behind those jobs could be extremely dangerous even if you did not encounter fighting or terrorism Working with the Americans as a translator made you a target. Many Yazidi men sought asylum in the United States because their lives had been threatened after insurgents discovered they had worked for the Americans. The war dragged on for much longer than anyone expected it to. People quickly forgot about those exhilarating first few months just after Saddam had been outset when his statue fell in Baghdad's Firdaus Square. and american soldiers went out across the country shaking hands with villagers promising to build schools free political prisoners and make life easier for average iraqis by 2007 just a few years after the fall of saddam iraq was plagued with violence and the united states sent in more than 20000 additional soldiers calling it a surg mostly as a response to increased violence in anbar and baghdad For a while, the surg seemed to work. Attacks decreased, and marines took over the cities, going door to door, looking for insurgents. But for Yazidis, the year of the surg was the year the war arrived on our doorstep. In August 2007, the worst terrorist attack of the entire Iraq War, and the second deadliest attack. in history took place in Shiba Sheikh Khidr and Tel Azir also known by their Baathist names Kehtania and Zazira to Yazidi towns slightly west of Kocho around dinner time of August 14 a fuel tanker and three cars with some people here were carrying supplies and food of the Yazidis living there parked in the centers of the towns and blew themselves up 800 people died ripped apart by the bombs or trapped under collapsed buildings and over a thousands were injured the explosions were so enormous we could see the flames and smoke all the way over in kocho we began to scan the roads leading to our village planted by any cars we did not recognize as horrible as the attacks were it had been only a matter of time tension had been rising between azidis and sunni arabs for years most recently because of kurdish influence and censor and ongoing radicalization in the sunni areas then earlier that year just a few months into the american surge sunnis vowed to avenge the death of a young yazidi woman named dua khalil aswad who had been gruesomely stoned to death 
by her relatives after they suspected she wanted to convert to Islam and marry a Muslim man. It did not matter that Yazidis were equally horrified by Dua's death, outsider called a savage and anti-Muslim. Honor killings happen in Yazidi society as they do in all of Iraq and conversion out of the faith is seen as a betrayal of the family and community in part because over the centuries Yazidis have been forced to convert in order to save their lives. Still we do not kill women and men who leave the Yazidism and we were ashamed by what Dua's family did to her. Not only was she stoned to death while people watched horrified but unable or unwilling to stop it but a video of her murder was then broadcast online, picked up by news stations and used as an excuse to attack us no matter how strongly we condemned it. As soon as the story of Duas began to spread, propaganda calling us infidels and worthy of death, language similar to what ISIS uses today, began circulating around Mosul. Kurds, who are mostly Sunni, also turned against us. We lived in shame and fear. Yazidi university students dropped out of schools in Kurdistan and Mosul, and Yazidis living abroad suddenly found themselves having to defend themselves to people who might never have even heard of Yazidism before and who now thought we were a religion of murderers. Since Yazidis had no real representatives in the media and no strong voice in politics to explain what had really happened, the hatred against us in Sunni communities grew. Maybe it had always been there just beneath the surface. Now it was all out in the open and it spread quickly. Two weeks after Dua was killed, Sunni gunmen stopped a bus carrying Yazidis and executed 23 of the passengers saying they were avenging Dua's death. We braced ourselves for more attacks but we could never have imagined something on the scale of what happened in Siba Sheikh Khidr and Tel Azir. As soon as they saw the explosions, my brothers piled into cars and drove toward the destruction, joining hundreds of Yazidis who carried food, mattresses and medicine to the villages. They returned home later that night, their heads hung with sadness and exhaustion. It was worse than anything you could imagine, Elias said. The towns are destroyed and the dead are everywhere. My mother sat them down and made tea while they cleaned the filth of their hands. I saw a body torn in half, Hesni said, shaking. It looks like the whole town is covered in blood. The explosions ripped bodies apart with such force that hair and pieces of clothing clung to the power lines high above the streets. Hospitals and clinics quickly ran out of space and medication. Shavkat, a friend of my brother's, was so distraught at seeing a body being dragged by the feet that he grabbed it out of the medic's hands and carried it to the morgue himself. It was someone's father or son, he said, just being dragged like that through the dust. Family members circled the destruction in a daze, pushing silently through air thick with smoke and dust. Or they screamed for their loved ones, some of whom would die long before their families stopped looking for them. Eventually, after the village had been cleaned up and as many bodies as possible identified, those family members would have to mourn at mass graves. Maybe it is worse to survive, Hajni said. After that attack, we took some precautions. Men guarded Kocho in shifts, two stationed on the east side and two on the west armed with kalashnikovs and pistols. They cautioned anyone riding in unfamiliar cars 
mostly Sunni Arabs and Kurds whom we did not recognize and were on constant lookout for anyone who seemed threatening. Other Yazidis made dirt barricades around their towns and dug trenches so that car bombs could not drive in. Even though in Kocho we were very close to the Sunni Arab villages, we did not pile dirt or dig a trench until years later. I don't know why, maybe we still had hope that our relationship with our neighbors was strong enough to protect us. Maybe we did not want to feel trapped and isolated. After a year went by without another attack, the men left their guard post. Hasni was the only one in my family who tried to leave Iraq. This was in 2009, two years after the attack. He had fallen in love with Jinan, our neighbor's daughter, but Zilan's parents disapproved of the match because we had so little money compared to them. This did not stop Hajni from trying. When Jilan's parents would not let my brother come into their home to visit with her, the two climbed onto the rooftops and dug across the narrow alley they separated our homes. When Jilan's parents built a wall around the perimeter of their roof to hide their daughter, Hajni piled up bricks until, standing on them, he was tall enough to see over the wall. Nothing can stop me, Hajni said. He was naturally shy. But he had fallen so much in love that he seemed willing to do anything to be with Zilan. Hasni sent cousins or sorry, Hasni sent cousins or brothers to Zilan house, where tradition obligated her family to offer visitors tea and food. And while they were distracted, Zilan would leave and meet Hasni. She loved him as much as he loved her, and told her parents that she wanted to marry him. But still, they objected. I fumed over their rejection. Zilan would be lucky to have Hajni, who was so loving, but my mother, as always, laughed it off. At least the only reason they don't like us is because we are poor, she said, and there is nothing wrong with being poor. Hajni knew that Zilan's parents would never approve of the marriage unless he made some money, and back then he was having no luck getting a job in Iraq. He grew depressed. Other than Zilan, he felt like there was nothing for him at home. And since he could not have her, he did not see the point of staying. When a few other men in the village decided they would try to make their way to Germany, where a small number of Yazidis already lived, Hesner decided to join them. We are cried while he packed his bag. I felt terrible about him leaving. I could not imagine home without any of my brothers. Before he left, Hajni invited Zilan to a wedding outside Kocho, where they could talk without the locals whispering. She arrived and separated herself from the crowd, finding him. He still remembers that she wore white. I will be back in two or three years, he told her. We will have enough money to start a life. Then a few days before we were to start one of our two yearly fasts, Hajni and the other man left Kocho. First, they crossed the northern Iraqi border on foot into Turkey, where they slowly made their way to Istanbul. Once there, they paid a smuggler to take them in the back of a tractor trailer into Greece. The smuggler told them to tell the border guards that they were Palestinian. If they know you are Iraqi, they will arrest you, he said, and then he closed the doors to the truck and drove across the border. When Hajni called us a few days later, it was from prison. We had just sat down to break our fast when my mother's cell phone rang. One of the Iraqis with Hajni had been too scared to lie about where he was from and so they had all been discovered. The prison was horrible, Hajni said. 
cramped and with only concrete slabs covered with thin mattresses to sleep on. No one would tell them when they would be released or whether they would be charged with a crime. Once to get the guards' attention, some prisoners set fire to their mattresses and Hashni worried they would all suffocate from the smoke. He asked us how our fast were going. I am also hungry, he said, and from then on whenever Hajni called, my mother cried so hard that my brother rushed to pick up the phone before she could answer. Three and a half months later, Hajni was back in Kocho. He was gaunt and embarrassed and I thought, seeing him, that I was glad I did not have any desire to go to Germany. I still think that being forced to leave your home out of fear is one of the worst injustices as a human being can face. Everything you love is stolen and you risk your life to live in a place that means nothing to you and where, because you come from a country now known for war and terrorism, you are not really wanted. So you spend the rest of your years longing for what you left behind while praying not to be deported. Hasni's story made me think that the path of the Iraqi refugee always leads backward to prison or to where you came from. There was an upside to Hajni's failure. He came home more determined than ever to marry Zilan, and during their time apart, she had made up her mind also. Her family still disapproved, but the couple had Jazidi custom on their side. According to our culture, if two people are in love and want to marry, they can elope no matter what their family think. This proves that they value each other more than anything, and after that, it is up to the families to reconcile themselves to the match. It can sound old-fashioned, even backward, the way the custom is sometimes described, a woman running away, but it is actually liberating, taking power away from the parents and giving it to the young couple and specifically to the girl who has to agree to the plan. So one evening, without whispering a word to anyone, Zilan sneaked out her back door and met Hesni, who was waiting in Zalo's car. They left for a nearby village taking Al-Qaeda-controlled roads to avoid running into Zilan's father on the main highway. Hesni joked that he was more scared of him than any terrorist. A few days later, they were married, and some months after that, following negotiations, mostly over money between our families that were sometimes happy and sometimes tense, they had a real wedding in Kocho. Ever since then, Hesni would look back on his failed attempt to immigrate and laugh, saying, Thank God I got arrested in Greece and pulling his wife close. After that, we all resigned ourselves to staying in Kocho, even as the threats outside continued to grow. When the Americans left a few months after the 2010 parliamentary elections, groups all over the country began a chaotic struggle for power. Every day bombs exploded across Iraq, killing shitty pilgrims or children in Baghdad and tearing apart whatever hope we had for peace in a post-American Iraq. Yazidis who owned liquid stores in Baghdad were targeted by extremities and we retreated further into the relative safety for Yazidi towns and villages. Shortly afterwards, anti-government protests that started in Tunisia spread into Syria, where President Bashar al-Assad quickly and brutally suppressed them. By 2012, Syria had dissolved into civil war, and in 2013, a new extremist group calling itself the Islamic State of Iraq and Al-Sham, which had previously gained attraction in post-war Iraq, began to flourish in the jaws of Syria. Soon, it took over large part of Syria and set its sights on crossing the border back into Iraq, where sympathizers waited for it in Sunni areas. 
Two years later, ISIS completely overwhelmed the Iraqi army in the north, which abandoned its post to an enemy that had expected to be much weaker than they turned out to be. In June 2014, before we knew it, ISIS took over Mosul, Iraq's second biggest city, about 80 miles east of Kocho. After Mosul fell, the Kurdistan regional government KRG sent additional Peshmerga into Sinzer to guard Yazidi towns. The soldiers arrived by the truckload, assuring us they would keep us safe. Some of us, scared by ISIS and feeling that Iraqi Kurdistan was more secure, wanted to leave Sinzer for the Kurdish camps that were already filling with displaced Christian, Shiti, and Sunni, as well as Syrian refugees. But the Kurdish authorities argued as not to. Yazidis trying to leave Sinzar for Iraqi Kurdistan were turned back by Kurds stationed at checkpoints around their villages and told not to worry. Some families thought it was suicide to stay in Kochu. We are surrendered on three sides. We are sur- surrounded on three sides by Danish. They protested using the Arabic term for ISIS. I'm sorry, Daesh, not Danish. It is Daesh. And they were right, only one road connecting us to Syria did not lead directly to the enemy, but Kocho was a proud village. We did not want to abandon everything we had worked for, the concrete homes families had spent their entire lives saving for, the schools, the massive flocks of sheep, the rooms where our babies were born. Other Iraqis cautioned the Yazidis claim to Sinzer, and we thought that if we left, we would be proving them right. If we were not willing to stay in Sinzer, maybe we did not love it as much as we said we did. Ahmad Jasso called a meeting at the Jebat, and it was decided we stay as a village, he said, believing until the end that our relationship with the Sunni Arab villages was strong enough to keep us safe, and so we stayed. My mother tried to keep life at home as normal as she could, but still we were on alert for strange visitors or threatening noises. One night in July, around 11, Adke, Catherine, Kerry, Hashni and I walked the short distance to our farm to grind hay for the animals. In the summertime, it was far too hot to spend the day on the farm, so we usually went after dinner. When the moon was big enough to help illuminate our course and the air was a little cooler, we walked slowly, grinding hay was strenuous and messy, and none of us were looking forward to the job. No matter how careful we were, we always went home with hair dust in our hair and under our clothes, itching and stinging our skin and our arms sore from having the hay into the grinder. We worked for a while, Catherine and I in the trailer stacking the hay that the others tossed up to us from the ground. We talked and joked, but the conversation was more strained than usual. In the open field, we had a view of the land beyond Kocho, and we could not help but wonder and worry about what was going on out there in the dark. Suddenly, the road connecting us to the south lit up with cars, and we stopped what we were doing to watch us as the headlights grew brighter and the silhouettes of the vehicles came into focus. It was a line of big armed trucks, the kind the military might use. We should leave, Catherine muttered. She and I were the most frightened, but Adke refused to run. We need to keep working, she said, having armfuls of hay into the baler. We cannot be so scared all of the time. Harry was home on leave from his job as a border patrolman, which he had held for nine years, and he knew better than all of us what was happening outside Kocho. He had an investigative eye for this kind of things. 
looking toward the headlights he put down his arm full of hay and used his hand like a visor to protect his eyes from the headlights those are islamic state convoys isis he said they look like they are heading toward the border into syria it was unusual he told us for them to be this close i don't know what is going to happen hasni said thank you for joining me.